Hi, everyone. It's Joey Remini from seekingbalance.com.au. Today, I want to talk about different communication styles and empathy. And as I've been researching and getting to know the neurodivergent community and culture, it's just really been such a breath of fresh air for me. And it's interesting also just looking at some of the social assumptions about what autism is and what neurodivergence is. And I guess I want to share some of what I'm learning here with my listeners and my community. And essentially, it's interesting to know that autistic people and neurodivergent people at large, so that includes ADHD and dyslexia and sensory processing disorders and prosopagnosia. So there's many different ways that the brain is wired and interconnected. But specific to um, autistic and ADHD people, I think, is there are different communication styles and different ways of showing empathy. And over the course of the years and historically, people have sort of said, here's the one way to communicate and the right way to communicate. And this is how you listen. And this is how you show empathy and full stop case closed, no discussion. Whereas now I think the world is really broadening and collectively we're learning more about each other and we're having space to be cross-cultural and to navigate these areas of friction. And so it's interesting that there's lots of social assumptions about ways we should communicate. And they could be as simple as, you know, don't speak out of turn, you know, listen and ask polite questions or drip feed vulnerability slowly over time and build up that sense of vulnerability and trust with someone um, so as not to bombard or dump too much too soon before the relationship is solid and some of those are sort of what we might consider neurotypical ways of socializing whereas for neurodivergent uh, women in particular but I'm sure men have their own thing going on ways we love to communicate is a we deeply love connection so it's not as though we don't want connection, but maybe it's possible neurodivergent women need less social interaction. So maybe they're happy with a deep emotional connection with another person that's deeply meaningful and then to have a little break and to integrate and to really come back to oneself. So there could be differences in terms of frequency and the amount of contact that that a neurodivergent woman wants. She may not need to see someone every day or every other day. But I think it's interesting that something I'm noticing is common for neurodivergent women is we really like intense and deep connection. And that doesn't make it better or worse. But when neurodivergent women come together, there can be this instant deep dive into a deeply human raw space. There's not this level of tiptoeing around or waiting until the friendship gets to um, a certain level. There can just be this raw honesty of unfolding it, um, there's, it's not inhibited. It's a very free expression. And something that the neurodivergent community talk about is making sure neurodivergent brains and neurodivergent people have other neurodivergent people to communicate with because it is like a new culture or a new language. And I think it's really good to have these conversations and be aware that um, we can be judgmental about how people communicate and assume that there's rudeness or assume that there's distance or aloofness or intensity when actually it could just be that a neurodivergent person has a very complex inner world 
And as they're listening to someone speak, their mind might go off on another tangent and they're integrating and connecting dots and they're they're actually listening, but in a different way. And part of that might be that their attention goes off into their inner world where they can be present with themselves and then come back to the conversation. And all of that is totally okay. It's different. No one gets hurt. And so to have space for some of these changes or these differences and that when you have a neurotypical person and a neurodivergent person talking, that there can be this awkward, clumsy lack of sort of rhythm. Um, and again, that's okay because if you think about speaking to someone in a foreign language, it is a bit clumsy and it is a bit awkward. But if we're both really tolerant, accepting, curious, um, and willing to learn about each other, we can have deep connections and beautiful and meaningful relationships. And so it's interesting that neurodivergent women will often say that they seek more direct, transparent, explicit communication, whereas for neurotypical people there will be a lot of that fluffy, vague, almost like white lies where there might be comments or questions that's it's not earnest, it's not straightforward. And that can be as simple as, hi, how are you doing? I'd love to hear about that. But really it's a space filler they are not so keen to hear about it and they might find it a little bit boring, but they're just being pleasant. Whereas, you know, a neurodivergent person is very literal. And if someone says they're interested and they want to hear more about it, a neurodivergent person is likely to take that at face value and share more on that topic or potentially get hurt if the neurotypical person doesn't follow up on that comment and um, actively try and learn more. So, yeah, it's just, it's really, really fascinating. I feel like it's like entering an entire new culture. And as a mother, and I know lots of my listeners are parents, if you know you have neurodivergent children or you're just starting to think you might be neurodivergent yourself, one of the best gifts you can give yourself is read books by neurodivergent people, listen to podcasts by neurodivergent people, and with time, develop relationships with local other neurodivergent people. Because a lot of what I'm hearing and I'm also feeling this myself as I navigate this world, is there's like this instant connection when you have a neurodivergent person meet another neurodivergent person. And there's this sort of like old friends that, that we we jump straight into a rhythm and we both talk in the same sort of enthusiastic information dumping way that we're not feeling the need to follow all of these social rules that don't necessarily make sense to us. So that's another thing I want to talk about is, you know, most autistic or neurodivergent people have been trained how to follow social rules. We understand how to be sensitive, how to wait in line, how to communicate politely and to be considerate. But just because we know the rules and can use the rules doesn't mean we agree with the rules, doesn't mean the social rules make sense to us. And I think I can speak for myself personally if I'm feeling very hot on a topic, like if it's political or emotional, and if I'm feeling very full and tense and cluttered, I could come to breaking point where I really need to speak up and say something and break those rules. But in all honesty, I think the same could be said for anyone who's feeling that they're at a boundary, they're at an edge, they're feeling violated and that they really want to speak up and it's deeply important to them. And that might come through in an interruption or a louder volume um, and so on and so forth. So I think what I want to really talk about um, 
is just this awareness that there are actually different communication cultures based on the kind of neurotype we're born with, the way that neurodivergent people collect information and integrate information and organize information really gives them this natural, innate sense of culture and belonging and communication style that is, yes, different, but it's not worse. And I think some psychology studies have shown that autistic adults are extremely effective communicators. They're very straightforward. They're extremely honest. They're authentic um, and they're reliable. And so it works. It might be different, but it works. And I think that's really important for everyone to hear. Now, when it comes to empathy, there's different ways to show empathy and to show that we care about other people and we're connected to other people and we're interested in other people's inner world and their emotional states. And I think um, girls and boys and men and women show this differently and the same applies with neurotype. And for neurodivergent women, um, or actually maybe just neurodivergent people in general, Often I think we will hear someone share something about their life, having difficulty tying a shoelace, could be anything. And because we're very good at pattern recognition, I think it's very easy and natural for us to sort of go through the backlog of all of our memories and go, yeah, I've had that experience too of having difficulty tying my shoelace and I remember my shoes were orange and this was what was happening for me. And for neurotypical people, that can sometimes I think feel abrasive or insensitive it could be assumed that the neurodivergent person is trying to one-up them or be more the centre of attention or entering that sort of comparing, whereas it's actually just a different way of showing empathy. Neurodivergent people will tend to um, share stories and relate to each other through shared experiences, and that is actually intended as, as a way of saying I deeply understand you and I have an embodied felt sense of that that I want to share with you to demonstrate that I'm feeling this with you. And as neurodivergent people do that together, it feels good. Both feel seen and heard and connected and that deepens the friendship. But if a neurotypical person and a neurodivergent person were talking, it could be that the neurotypical person doesn't want that comment. They just want to feel um, heard. They want to feel seen. They want to feel held. They want to feel perhaps a more gentle response that doesn't bring in the other person's experience. And that's the way they enjoy feeling held. And that doesn't make them wrong or bad. It's just different. And you can see it goes in both directions. If the neurodivergent person says, I'm having a really hard day, this has happened to me, and I'm feeling so deeply hurt and saddened, and then the neurotypical person responds by saying, oh, okay, yeah, I'm hearing you. You've had a hard day. That could feel really dismissive to a neurodivergent person who actually is seeking to hear the other person's experience and their embodied experience and to share that lived experience. And it doesn't mean that the neurotypical person responded insensitively or was wrong. It's literally just a different way of showing empathy. So I've only given two examples there, but you can see how this could get really complicated and nuanced. And there's so many times, I think, in an adult's life or a human's life, a child's life even, where we're looking to, we're seeking connection. I think it's fair to say pretty much all humans are seeking safety, love, connection and belonging. Doesn't matter what your neurotype is. And when we're not feeling met and we're not feeling seen and heard and understood, 
we can feel like we're doing something wrong or we can feel like we are wrong. And I think tragically that has been historically the story for autistic people because we're roughly 2% of the population. So the vast majority would be communicating following these social assumptions and cultural assumptions that don't touch us here. It doesn't feel right in our heart. And then when we connect with other neurodivergent people and our communication style and empathy style is matched, it's like this beautiful fireworks of vitality, zealousness, enthusiasm, you know, embodiment that I think the, the creative expression of a healthy neurodivergent person is much more liberated, bigger body movements, louder voices, you know, singing, dancing, jumping, trilling, flapping, there's this beautiful freedom and artistic creativeness to it that, you know, brings me joy because I think that's, they're my people. Um, And speaking for myself, when I do enter very neurotypical spaces, which is most workplaces and most organizations and most groups, it's very draining for me because I can't, I, I haven't felt that I can be as free, that I can be as zealous and enthusiastic and, you know, another example of a communication difference is in the neurodivergent culture, it's okay to interrupt. It's okay to be so enthusiastic and passionate that you dive in with something to add that's super passion. You know, it's it's technically an interruption, but it's sort of a welcome contribution to the overarching conversation. Whereas if a neurodivergent person was perhaps going to be so enthusiastic and interrupt in a neurotypical environment, that could be seen as rude, it could be judged, it could be punished, and so on and so forth. So part of this um, talk today is really to bring to awareness, especially if you're thinking, gosh, I'm not sure if I am neurodivergent. Again, just do that, do that micro research for yourself, listen to podcasts, learn more, look into it. And this could be a whole new place of belonging for you if you feel like you've never been assessed or you've never been considered and and it's landing for you. And for those of you who are neurotypical and feel pretty confident that you're not autistic or neurodivergent in any way, I think it's so progressive for you to learn about it, to be a part of this community, because the more we can understand each other, we're really learning how to be better humans, how to be more accommodating of differences, how to not take things personally, you know, and there would have been so many times in my life where where I've been the one doing the judging and thinking like, gee, that person didn't respond in a very thoughtful way or considered way or Um, You know, I would have been judging the other person, whereas now that I have this information about cultural differences and communication style differences and empathy differences, I can get more curious. And if my body starts to feel not quite right or vulnerable, I can take care of that myself and still stay present and curious to the other person and what's going on for them and what's happening for them. And when I zoom out into the world of conflict right now where there is so many wars, so much death and tragedy, if we zoom out and think how are we going to share this planet peacefully if we can't learn to embrace differences and ask questions and stay present? And, um, you know, one of the most hurtful things we can do, and it's still happening quite a lot, you know, and, and it's unfortunately I'm seeing it happen even in the conscious communities and, um, you know, psychology or spiritual communities where people are doing their best to be light and love and really woke and aware, 
but there's this real diminishing and dismissiveness of difference you know sort of dismissing it as even a thing oh we're all just neurodiverse and well no we're, we're there are actual differences that are worth talking about and spending time getting curious about and the way some people show curiosity or kindness or care or attunement might be very, very different based on your neurotype. And if we're not having these conversations and getting curious and asking questions, getting to know ourselves, getting to know our children, getting to know our local community and then our wider, more global community, how can we all have space on this planet to really exist um, as sovereign beings in peace? Because, yeah, I mean, the alternatives are the minority people just feel ashamed, feel silenced, feel stifled, and they get sick. Their body closes in on themselves. They get loaded up with tension and they end up with medical illnesses. So I think this is a really, really important conversation. Um, But I know I have many female listeners who really could be neurodivergent and possibly never thought about it. And so I wanted to have some of these conversations to ignite that belly of fire in you if you're um, feeling curious to learn more. So thanks for listening. And if you want to learn more about me and my professional work in the Rocksteady community, visit seekingbalance.com.au. Thank you and bye for now.